0: To be continuing a series tonight called Different is Possible, and it is just all about how, um, even though there's evil in the world, even though we see darkness and lots of bad things are happening, it's easy to get sucked into the thought that it's always going to be like this. But the truth is that different is possible. Last week, we heard an amazing testimony and word from Chloe. I thought it was if if you missed it, I'm sorry, but it was life-changing. She told a story and testimony about how when she was in high school, she started a school club, and um, how like, impactful and amazing that was for both like, people that came, but also for her herself, and um, the truth is that we are supposed to go out and declare the good news for everybody, Right? That's, that's, our, that's our commissioning. That's our truth. We're supposed to go out and declare the good news. And I think too many times we see preachers, especially like street preachers or people on YouTube or TikTok that are just declaring the bad news of the good news. They're declaring the bad news of the gospel. And I don't think fear is a good way to get people into the kingdom of God, right? And I think you just see it too many times that you see people declaring bad news when it's good news. Now the truth is, if we're just gonna be the raw truth, the truth is that if someone is not saved and they pass on, then the Bible does, is very clear on what happens. But how Jesus instructs us to go about is to not deny that truth, but instead amplify the truth that the good news of when you get saved. And again, we see too many people declaring bad news you can see how bad news can affect somebody, and if, you were, if someone was trying to sell you something, they're probably not gonna lead with bad things about it, right? Like, that's probably not a great tactic, sales tactic, but um, our key passage tonight is found in Mark 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, Most people refer to this as the Great Commission. The Great Commission to go out, go into all the world, baptize them in the name of Jesus, and make disciples. Make disciples. You see a lot of times that missionaries, you know, like you you see like missionaries, foreign missionaries, will use this commission as an empowerment, or we talked about this during worship, an anointing to go out and to go to the hardest places to preach the gospel. You know, Journey Church sponsors missionaries that are being sent all over the world, to India, to Thailand, and um, you—they a lot of people use this verse as the commissioning, and they are absolutely right. I'm not trying to say this is wrong at all, but that they are commissioned and anointed to go to the hardest places to reach on earth. And something I wanna talk about tonight is that um, being a missionary is not just by going somewhere far, and we're gonna to get to that in just a second. I wanna talk about the death, like what is... What qualities does a missionary have? You know, what defines a missionary? What's the definition of a missionary? And I think a lot of times when we hear the word missionary, we think somebody that's going far, right? That's what I think of. That's how I grew up thinking, was somebody that went far. You know, Pastor Sean on Sunday, uh, he's my dad, if you couldn't tell, but he preached this message that's very similar. So I'm going to be using some quotes from him, and I've even got a video clip of him speaking later in this message but he said something important, he said, is there a certain number of miles you need to travel to qualify as a missionary? Probably not, right? I mean, like if you have somebody, thank you, thank you Judah, that's, that's awesome. He, thinks, he, think, he, he was so upset at that, but, but here's the thing, you know, we have Christians born in Thailand, or no, you, you know, if someone, we have a missionary from Germany that's in Thailand, but if you have somebody born in Thailand that is reaching those people, are they a missionary or not? And I think that's what it comes down to is what is a missionary? And I don't believe it's, de- it's defined by distance. I don't believe it's defined by how far you travel. Um, in fact, there are, other, there are even other countries that send missionaries to America. Isn't that weird? Like I had to look that up because I didn't believe it. But it's true, there are other countries that send missionaries to America. So if distance doesn't define being, what being a missionary is, then what does... What if being a missionary what if tr- being a missionary meant just traveling as far as up to your school's front door? What if going on the mission field meant driving to work and clocking in? What if going on mission field even just meant leaving your uh, bedroom and going into the living room to talk to your family? You see, being a missionary is not defined by distance. It's defined by need. Being a missionary is not defined by how far you are traveling, but it's defined by how much you are needed to where you are traveling to. Because some of you guys, you need to hang a sign on the door of your bedroom that says, you are now entering the mission field. So I, We were at a church then, that they had that sign on, the, on the, when you left the church. It says, you are now entering the mission field. Or maybe even like a car, you know, like a hanging car scent thing that says, you are now in the mission field. That once we leave our house or leave our bedroom or go to work or go to school, we are entering into a mission field not defined by how far you traveled, but defined by how much you need to bring Jesus there. For some, it it could even look like getting on social media, getting on Instagram or TikTok. That's your mission field. I mean, answer me this, is there a need for Jesus on TikTok? Yes or no? Yes, there is a need for Jesus on TikTok. Is there a need for Jesus on the Instagram Explore page? Come on, I'm saying there is. If there is a need, then that means there is a need for missionaries. Somebody has to carry Jesus there. Somebody has to do it. It might not be for everybody. Maybe that's not your specific calling, is not not TikTok or Instagram, but it has to be somebody's, right? It has to be for somebody. And so maybe that is you. It has to be for somebody. It has to be for somebody. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? God, here, listen to this. God is raising you up to send you out For some of you, you you're going to be traveling overseas. That is somebody's mission field. It might not be the country you were born in, but for most of us, I would say most of us, we are born into the mission field we have been sent to. For most of us, our mission field is unlocking our phone. You know, for some of us, that's what it is. Our vision here at Elevate, um, just to kind of help you understand this, is we have it on shirts, we have it on our our cards. It says, our vision at Elevate is to see teenagers in this community reach up to God with everything they have, to raise up those around them, and to rise up to our calling. We do that by equipping, empowering, and encouraging. We're not, my job is not to be the missionary to this generation for you. The other leaders, the volunteers here, their job is not to be the mission field for this generation for you. We are here to equip you, to empower you, and to encourage you to do that. And that is our calling. God is doing that here in this place. He will equip, empower, and encourage you to reach your mission field wherever that is. So a lot of you guys should have got message notes when you walked in. Um, There is a section there that says, find your mission field focus, And in just a minute, we're gonna take about 60 seconds and we're gonna just fill that out, Um, just fill out um, what your focus is for this next season in your life. Because honestly, we are all called to all the areas. We're all called to, everywhere we go, we're on mission field. But I want us to pick one of those as our focus, to put all of our energy, all of our effort, our resources into doing whatever we can to be a missionary in that. And we'll talk about more what that looks like, but let's take 60 seconds. Um, Maybe we can just put on some instrumental music back there, just something chill, and we're just gonna take 60 seconds and pray and ask the Holy Spirit what our focus is. right, I hope a lot of us, I don't want us to rush into that decision, so if if you're unsure, just leave it blank, and um, I just wanna encourage you to come back to that maybe later tonight or tomorrow morning when you have your quiet time or whatever, but I believe, I want, excuse me, each of us to kinda begin to start focusing and zoning in on our mission state, on our mission field focus, because I think it's easy to get overwhelmed by how much we feel responsible for, that it's easy to be, you know, if you, if uh, your parents aren't saved, you know, that's a, that's a stressor for being a missionary. If your school, I mean, I mean, our schools aren't saved unless you go to a, a Christian school, that's gonna be a stressor. Um, our friend group, you know, our online interactions, it, c- it can get overwhelming at times. And it, eventually, I want all of us to be missionaries in every single area, and we should definitely try to do that. But it can be easier to start taking it one, one section at a time and be like, okay, I'm gonna be focusing on my school. For this next, you know, three or four months, I'm going to be giving all my resources, my time, my energy, that I want to be a missionary to my school. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a missionary in my field. So how do, how do, what does it look like to act as a missionary to my mission field? Here's what's important. I'm going to just say this, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Your goal is, to, is not to change their actions, thoughts, or intentions, Okay, so your goal, when you're, when you're evangelizing, when you're being a missionary and you're talking to unsaved people and you're talking to people who are living in sin that are not following Jesus, that aren't saved, our goal as Christians and as missionaries is to not change their thoughts, actions, or intentions. Instead, our goal is to be an active, loving, caring, open door to Jesus. So I know that's a lot. But when we're talking about unsaved people, our goal is to not do, not change their behavior, their thoughts, actions, and, or intentions. And before you just turn out on me for a second, I wanna give you an example. Um, let's say you're being a missionary to your friend group and you have a friend named, let's just call him Jim. You have a friend named Jim and you know you hang out with Jim a lot and you know Jim's not saved and, you know, you can tell he doesn't act saved either. And you know that he is sleeping with his girlfriend. I know. Thumbs down for me. He's sleeping with his girlfriend. He's not doing the right things. You know, they, he's, obviously, he's not saved. You know that for a fact. And he's living in sin. Here is your responsibility to Jim. Your responsibility, your calling, your anointing to Jim is to be an open door to Jesus By showing him love, care, kindness, and acceptance. It's to be, your your responsibility is to be an arrow pointing towards Jesus. Pointing towards Jesus. Because that's exactly what Jesus did when he was on earth. That's exactly what Jesus did. That doesn't mean by doing that you ever need to endorse or approve of what Jim is doing. There is nowhere along the lines do you need to accept, approve, um, condone whatever of Jim's lifestyle or Jim's actions of sleeping with his girlfriend. Nowhere along the lines do you need to do that. I've said before, but we fight the sin and the spirit of sin, we never fight the person. We always, always, always stand up to the spirit of sin, stand up to the spirit of lust, the spirit of suicide, everything, all the time, but we never fight the person, right? because that person is a child of God. I'm not gonna touch a child of God. I'm gonna love a child of God. I'm gonna love what God created. The goal for Jim, your responsibility, is to show him the amazing beauty of living in the Father's house. It's to show him the amazing beauty of what it looks like to be adopted by the king of the universe. Because here's the thing, you live in the Father's house, right? If you're saved and you're a born-again Christian and you're filled with the Spirit, you're living in the Father's house. And so you obey the Father's rules, right? You obey the Father's rules, not because they are just rules, but because you understand that when God asks you to do something, he's doing that for your sake, ultimately. He's doing that to protect you. He's doing that to do that. But here's the thing. Jim doesn't live in the Father's house yet, right? Jim doesn't live in the Father's house yet. He's not saved yet. And the Bible says that before we are saved, we are orphans without a home. If, if you... Like, Let's look at that. Let's take that analogy. If, you, if someone who's not saved is an orphan without a home, if you were to go up to an orphan that's eating food, you know, like a bowl of soup on the side of the road, who doesn't have a home, and begin correcting his posture, when you're holding an acceptance letter that he has adopted to the father's mansion, right? He, you, you don't begin correcting and applying your father's rules onto the orphan even if there are good rules that protect him, you wanna invite them to the Father's mansion, to the Father's house, and to the Father's inheritance, and let the Father do the correcting, right? And this doesn't apply to if someone, if you're friends with somebody who is saved. There are obviously different, you know, rules, like there's, there's a way to politely, gently, and lovingly call out other believers in love. You know, if, let's, say, let's say Jim was saved, and he was sleeping with his girlfriend. Then and you, were, you had a relationship with Jim and you were friends with Jim, you would definitely need to, at some point, if you felt like it was the right time and the Holy Spirit was leading you, to take him to side and lovingly, gently, and with much care, correct that. Because, I mean, sin is harmful. Sin is destructive. You know, uh, death is the root of sin, right? So we don't, but if, if they're not in the Father's house yet, our responsibility for Jim and for other people is to bring them to the Father's house as quickly as we can. As quickly as we can. Because God in his own ways, in his own timing, will begin correcting Jim and correcting the orphan and correcting whoever else through his own ways, through his kindness, his grace, and his mercy. Romans 2, 1 through 4 says that. It says, you may think you can condemn people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. When you say, they are wicked, they should be punished. You are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Here's the important thing. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? I don't know about you guys, but I can confess that and say that as a testimony of God in my life. Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? It's not his anger, it's not his judgment, it's his kindness. His kindness will turn us to, from sin. And so when people are accepted into God's family, there is absolutely a time and a place to correct other believers as a believer. But ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who can do the best work and the best job at it because it's through his kindness. I remember, I don't, I don't think he's gonna have any problem with me sharing this, but my grandpa, when he got saved, um, my grandpa was saved in the Jesus movement in the 60s, I believe, and he, um, when he got saved, he was, you know, before he was saved, he was doing all sorts of drugs and just not living a lifestyle for God, and when he got saved, um, he was on fire for Jesus, and he began to read his Bible um, while actively smoking weed and, like, doing all sorts of drugs, so he'd be, like, reading the scriptures, like, just high as a kite and just doing all these things just because he didn't know better. And he, but what, the, what he says that the Holy Spirit began to do inside of him is he, the Holy Spirit slowly began to nudge him over the course of however long it took and began to show him the right way to live. And to begin to break off friendships that didn't need to happen, begin to tra- like move him to a location that was better for him and just doing all these things. And that the Holy Spirit began to do it, but what happened was he got saved because someone showed him the goodness and the gospel and the kindness of the God and, of God. and the Holy Spirit began to do that work inside of him. And um, like I said, Pastor Sean sh- uh, shared a message very similar to this, and so I want to play a clip from him um, from what he preached just a few days ago. It's about three minutes long. Let's check it out.
1: So to be, have the heart of the Father sharing the good news with people Uh, And then, you know, having the fruit of the spirit towards people and being practical and sharing and blessing people and being a part of healing people and setting people free. That's really hard to do if you don't like people. (laughs) It's really hard to do if you feel like that you're an enemy of people. It's hard to do if you're in a constant war with the world, as we would say. And there's a lot of opportunities for us to do that. It's hard to do if you're doing See, I'm just saying we are not enemies of this world. It doesn't matter if the world is that enemy with God, but we were never given the assignment to be the enemy of the world. And so Jesus told a story to somebody one time that many of you know, and it's, uh, you know, somebody said, well, how do I know who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story. He says, well, there's this priest and there's this Levite that are going. There's this guy who was beaten. Have you guys know the story of the Good Samaritan. And he's tell, he uses some people in their life who they would have th- saw as heroes. And he says, oh, the priest, you know, it's going along, And there's a guy who's broken down. He's beaten up. The, but the, piece, the, the priest just goes on by him. And then the Levite comes and he goes on by him. But then a Samaritan comes and he stops and he binds up the wounds and he helps him. Now, that may just sound like we know him as the good Samaritan, but in that day, it was very, uh, it was very controversial what Jesus was saying. Because in that day, The Jews who he was speaking to hated the Samaritans. And so Jesus used a Samaritan whom they hated to be the hero of the story. And he said, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. It doesn't look like having the right label. It looks like having the right love. And so he uses the hero, he uses somebody they hated as a hero of the story. So if he was talking to uh, Republicans today, uh, oh, I'm going there. He's, if he was talking to Republicans today, he might say, yeah, uh, Trump was walking down the road one day and passed by. And Re- then Rush Limbaugh came. But then Nancy Pelosi came <laughs> and binded up the wounds and brought healing. But if he was talking to Democrats, he might say something like, well, Biden came along, and he just passed by. He didn't even care. Then Pelosi came along, and didn't even care. But then Sean Hannity came, and he was just, I mean, he was just a stellar guy. You see what Jesus was doing? He was finding their enemy to expose and reveal their heart. And can we take just a moment to ask ourselves some honest questions? Because we, are ne- we never were given the assignment to be an enemy of the world. We are given the assignment to bring healing to the world. We were never called to be enemies of the world. It doesn't mean we have to agree. We were never said we have to agree. You know, somebody's like, well, what about the whip? You know, Jesus brought out a whip and flipped over tables. You know who he did that to? The religious people. He never did that to the world. He went and sat and had some food with the world. Not to endorse it. Not to agree. He never endorsed or agreed. He was simply giving, he was simply going where they are to give an in- invitation to where he was. He never compromised what was right. He never compromised who he was. But all along the way, he was accused of being a lot of wrong things simply from being in the wrong places from where the religious people didn't like him. So what I'm saying is this, and I'll put this up on the screen the world is not our enemy. The world is our opportunity. It's good. Our wor- the world is not our enemy. It's our
0: opportunity. And so with that in mind, here's what you do with Jim. You don't correct his behavior. You hand him the adoption letter to God's kingdom, to God's family, to God's mansion. And hopefully, Jim accepts the offer. Hopefully, he, be- he can become another brother in Christ with you. And what the Holy Spirit's going to do is he's going to begin working on him. He's going to begin nudging him in the right direction. He's going to begin nudging him in the right direction towards purity. He's going to begin nudging him away from lust and towards purity. He's gonna nudging him away from anxiety towards peace. That doesn't mean that other believers aren't going to help him. That doesn't mean that you know reading a Bible devotional is going to is not going to help him or talking to friends is not going to help him. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means let's let's get him into the Father's house first at least. You know what I mean? So. Our role is to spread God's good news with kindness and with truth. It's God's role to transform hearts and change behaviors. Our role is to spread the gospel with kindness and with truth. God's role is to transform hearts and change behaviors. And here's the thing. If, you know, let's say in this situation I'm using a lot, if Jim asks you what you think about that or asks you what you believe, that doesn't mean you can't tell him. That doesn't mean you can't tell him the dangers of that or why that's wrong or any of that. That just means we want to use kindness and truth to lead them to the gospel. And it might not happen that instant. It might not happen, you know, I think we see a lot of times either just in movies or just in passing that what's gonna happen is we're just gonna go, we're gonna go to, you know, Walmart and we're like, okay, Walmart's my mission field. I'm walking in, I'm buying some groceries. And okay, there's this lady and I'm gonna start praying for her and she's gonna break down and get on her knees right now and she's gonna give her life to Jesus in this moment in the middle of a Walmart aisle. Now, I've heard of stories exactly like that that have happened. Exactly like that. And that doesn't mean that's not going to happen. That just means it's probably not going to happen, especially on the first or second try of hearing the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it addresses this very situation and it gives us an encouragement. It says, "I planted the seed in your heart, Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow." It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. It's important that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Both will be rewarded for their hard work for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. So that if we you know, ask to pray with somebody, if we ask if they need healing that we can pray for or if there's any issues that they're going through that we can pray for or if we wanna share someone with, share Jesus with them even and if they don't receive that, Take heart. Don't be discouraged by that. Because what you did is you watered the seed. That's important. And the Bible says in that scripture that you will be rewarded for that work. That's important because it's God that's doing the growing. Who knows how many times it's going to take to water? Who knows how many times it's going to take to plant a seed? It's God that's doing the growing. Last night at our Deeper Place's prayer gathering, our focus was on evangelism. And the worship team can come back up now. Our focus was on evangelism. Um because we have several opportunities to be able to do that in this coming week. And we talked about how we, we should not be discouraged by the watering or the planting, but something especially is I believe we're coming into a season of harvesting, a season of harvesting. Uh, it's perfect for fall coming up, it's the harvest season, but I just saw, we were just talking, uh, it was actually just Kelsey and I were just at a table talking about that, of how the, that fall fest, And that our Come Pray event next week and how See You at the Pole is almost like a sea of wheat, just like waving in the wind, just so ready to be harvested. So ready to be harvested. And the Bible says that the harvest is ready and the workers are few. And so we have events, you know, Fall Fest is coming up to be able to spread the gospel. Um, Our Come Pray event next week to invite your friends. This is the last week to be able to invite people or hang up posters. See You at the Pole is coming up on Wednesday. We have all these things. Um, at Bold, they played a song called Missionary Anthem. And it is one of my favorite worship songs I've ever heard. And um, I just want to read you some of the lines from that and just kind of like let that just help you understand. It says, Jesus, you're worthy of every tribe and tongue. It's all for your glory till every soul is won. The harvest is ready. We have to go. We won't stop till the whole world knows. It's the power in your blood to save every soul because we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel. God is looking for people. He's looking for men and women in this room to go out, to be a missionary, to step into the front door of their school and say, I'm not here to learn. I'm not here, I'm not just here to learn, but I'm here on a mission field just as if I was a missionary to Thailand. To God, that's no different. God doesn't honor one versus the other. When you walk in the door of your workplace, you are just as important to the kingdom as if you were going to China and starting an underground church. Just as important to the point that we need, the harvest is ready. The workers are few in America to the point where people are sending missionaries from Thailand to America. Harvest is ready, you guys. God is looking for men and women in this room to step up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care if I look embarrassed. I'm only here once. I'm only a high schooler once. I can never be a high schooler again. <laughs> that season of my life is over permanently. That doesn't mean I can't reach high schoolers, but what that's saying is I'm only a high schooler one time. You only work at this job for this season of your life one time. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Let's all stand up tonight. And let's, let's invite the Holy Spirit into our, our hearts and just allow him to speak to us and to just influence our thoughts. So, Father, we just invite you in. We just want to respond to what we've heard. We want to respond to what you're doing inside of us. Oh, I speak boldness over, this, over these people. I speak Courage. I rebuke any shame that's going on inside of us that we, it's not about who we are, it's about who Jesus is. It's not about what we've done, what we did last night or what we're gonna do tomorrow. It's about what Jesus did 2000 years ago and making it about anything other than that is to discredit the amazing power of your blood. So Jesus, we just wanna speak that over our lives, that it's like, like Chloe said last week and she was quoting it as well, but God doesn't call the people that are qualified to do it. He qualifies the people that he called. God will qualify you as you go, as you are walking to talk, to share Jesus with somebody. He will qualify you as you're walking into your workplace because it's not about us, it's about him. So let's worship tonight. your boldness, whatever it takes to bring the good news to every single person, till the whole world is one for you. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your supernatural power and ability that you have. We just thank you for partnering with us. We thank you for just everything that you God, we just, we praise you, we love you, we just want to thank you, just give you everything, all the glory goes to you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're not ashamed, let's give a shout to God, come on, yeah, awesome, awesome. Next week, our big event for the fall is happening, the Come Pray For Your School posters, invites, all of that is out in the lobby. It's gonna be an amazing time. We've got good stuff planned for that in the giveaway. It's gonna be great. We're giving away Bible study kits of like, it's like really, really nice stuff, you guys. I'm kind of jealous, honestly. But go out, be missionaries. Let's make disciples. Let's do it together. See you guys next week.